Hi, I'm Gordon. And I'm Fiona. We're from Gate Church International in Dundee, Scotland, and we'd like to welcome you to this week's podcast. Our goal here is growing people to bring Christ into our communities and to see you get connected with God, His people, and His purpose. We hope this message inspires you in your faith journey. Thank you. Amen. It's great to see you all here uh, this morning. Thanks for bringing over my bottle holder. Thank you. Uh, so this morning, uh, we're, we're doing a series at the moment called Built to Last. And I have the privilege this morning of, of sharing a, a word with you. You can tell my notebook is bits of paper. Wonderful. So it's, it's my job this morning to share with you Built to Last. But I'm, I'm going to build in, in layers here this morning and, until we get to actually speaking about building. And when, when I start with the first verse here this morning, it might sound like I'm uh, depressed, okay? So I'm going to overcome some stuff as we talk here this morning. And as I minister, as I speak, and as I read the Word, something is going to change within some people here this morning. By the time I get through the first passage of Scripture, depression and despair is going to lift off some people here this morning. I'm prophesying that. The Word has power. So some of you who are in a dark place, something is going to lift off you here this morning. Now this morning, the series that we're on is called Built to Last. It's Building with God. But I'm going to go on the full spectrum here this morning. So I'm going to start in the pit and we're going to end up in the palace. Now, some of you might be in the palace. All you palace lovers of the house say aye. So, you know, so, but some of you are in the pit. So I'm going to start in the pit, and I'm going to preach to those who are on the journey towards their palace. And their palace is the fulfillment of the promises of God. So all you slimy pit lovers who are covered in mud, and, and you're down, and you're depressed, and you're you're trodden. The, the Word says that the Word is like, when the Word is spoken, it's like washing, the washing of the Word. So as I preach this Word this morning, slime is going to come off your body. Slime is going to come off your mind. The slime is depression. The slime is de despair. The slime is suicidal the thoughts. The slime is thoughts have given up. The, 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 it's, just, it's just slimy and yucky. So as I bring this Word, this is from David. And David was a man who knew what it was to be in caves. He knew what it was to be in pits. He knew what it was to be depressed. He knew what it's to be hanging out with 400 guys in a cave who were all depressed, in despair, in debt, discouraged, all the Ds. And his name was David. So David with all his Ds. So he, it was manifesting around him. But David understood what it was personally to be in the pit when he was surrounded by difficult circumstances. So in Psalm 40... It says, I waited patiently. Somebody say patiently. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit. Somebody say slimy. Slimy, slimy pit. He lifted me out of the slimy pit. Out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock. Come on, somebody say rock. He set my feet on the rock. And gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth and a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Now for David, that was incredibly real when he was in this place of despair. 
He felt like he was covered in slime. He felt like it was, un, it, was, it was slippy. He couldn't get out of that pit. It was impossible for him to get out. But here's the key. There's praise in the pit. To get out of the pit, it starts with praise. And it starts with an acknowledgement. And it starts with humility. And it starts with transparency. And it starts with being honest with God and just saying, God, I'm in a pit. I'm lonely. I'm depressed. I'm struggling. But it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. So in the midst of the pit, there was a waiting. And he said, God, I wait. I'm patient. And he knew God's rescue plan to, to deliver him from these circumstances and these situations. So David knew what it was to go from the pit to the palace. David understood what it was to journey from a place where he was in despair, he was depressed, he was struggling, he couldn't handle it. But God promoted him and took him to a place. A bit like Joseph. Who's heard of Joseph in the Bible? We all know of Joseph. Joseph was a man who knew what it was to go from the pit to the palace. We know that Joseph had a dream. Joseph saw the sun, the moon, and the stars all bowed down before him, and he shared it with his family as a 17-year-old. And his family went, hallelujah. No, they never. They went, we hate you. <laughs> Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? They couldn't stand him. And his brothers were naffed off with him. And uh, they actually threw him in a pit. And they left him from, for, uh, for dead. They covered him with animal blood. And uh, they thought he was going to die. And they left him. But he was sold. He was captured. And he was sold into uh, slavery. Uh, but the amazing thing was that after he got sold, he ended up in a, a king's palace. And in the king's palace, the wife... Uh, she wanted to lay hands on him, but not in a holy way. Uh, she wanted to seduce him. That's what I mean by laying on of hands. She wanted to seduce him and uh, have special relationships with him. Let's put it that way. And uh, Jacob, not Jacob, what's his name? Joseph resisted, resisted, and he ran. And uh, she, she, you know, she told her husband a pack of lies. She twisted the story and turned it around on Joseph. But here's the thing, he ended up in the jail, and because of the favor of God on him, he ended up interpreting other people's dreams. And in these dreams, people saw things, he interpreted what was going to happen. And the dream came through that, uh, you know, the, the baker, the candlestick maker, I'm paraphrasing, the two guys that had the dreams ended up going before the king, and, and what happened was one of them lost their life, and one of them survived. And you know what, he totally forgot about Joseph for two years. What a mate that is, eh? I'll share my dream, I'll interpret, I'll get you rescued, you survive. Oh yeah, I forgot about him. Anyway, so he forgot about, he forgot about Joseph. But uh, a number of years pass and uh, someone, the king is having dreams. He thinks he's having nightmares, but he's having dreams. And he's thinking, what the heck is going on with these dreams? And the guy who survived the jail sentence, who had the dream escape, said, oh, I remember there was somebody in the jail. So the king says, bring him up. And, and Joseph doesn't only interpret the dream he tells them the dream and then gives the interpretation through the dream and in the dream they see seven like seven lean cows seven fat cows and um, he just says there's going to be there's going to be a season of uh, abundance but there'll be a season of famine but you need to prepare for it and uh, Joseph does his own job interview prophetically and he ends up with a task and the job and he's hired to administrate what's going on in Egypt so something happens with um Joseph, and what happens after that is his brothers who've left him for dead, 
they actually, because of the starvation issue, they come from the famine and they come looking to Egypt where the storehouses of grain are and they ask for help and they're brought before Joseph and Joseph bursts into tears and he kind of handle it. He's named these kids names like, I've forgotten the place that I was born, I'm paraphrasing again. But he names his kids names that mean, I've forgotten that place where I was to begin with. So he's, he moves on. But what happens, he's, his emotions are then re-engaged and he's got to face this dream or this nightmare and the manifestation of these people coming to him and he weeps and he weeps and he weeps and he weeps but his heart is full of forgiveness towards his brethren because he embraces them and hugs them and kisses them but even though they're riddled with guilt knowing that they tried to kill him in the first place but here's the thing is that Joseph was brought from the pit to the palace and it's the journey it's the journey of the Christian. Now, we, we might think, well, that's Old Testament. How the heck does that apply today? How does that manifest in our lives today? How can we go from a pit to a palace today? How can we go from that place of despair to a place where we're, we're, we're rejoicing with the king? Well, the palace, the palatial thing is Jesus. We're brought into the royal family of Jesus Christ. And that, that, that's, the, that's the New Testament context. But to, to, to build, in order, in order to build with him, in order to build something that lasts, we need a, a mindset. The biggest battle on, on culture, our society today, is the minds of our young people. So many people are depressed. So many people are in despair. So many people are talking about suicide. So many people are just like, I can't handle this anymore. And it's like the minds are under attack. The mind of the church is under attack. People who are, who are Christian believers, the area that comes under attack the most is, is the mind because the enemy wants us to think thoughts that aren't our thoughts, but they're actually depressing thoughts. And we think the will of God is for us to be depressed or lonely or in despair or in a mess. And he wants to isolate us. And, and, and we began to think that's the will of God for our lives. That's not God's plan. For lives. God wants to bless us and strengthen us, encourage us, build us up. It is important that we do renew our minds. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's from 2 Corinthians 5. So we're, we're new creations. Someone once said to me, you're getting older. I said, no, I'm getting newer because every day I'm getting renewed in him. The body's getting older, but the mind, the spirit is getting newer. There's something changing on the inside. It's important we recognize that. We're new creations. You know, I look in the mirror every day and say, hallelujah. I say, thank God you're getting newer every day. Honestly, say it to yourselves. Meditate on the word. Speak the truth of God's word to yourself. You know, if I look at myself and say, see hairs coming out of my ears and stuff, I can get depressed. But I just get my trimmer out and go, you're a new creation, big man. Come on. Preach to the body. Preach to the mind. Preach to your spirit. Preach to your soul. Be transformed. Romans 12, it says, be transformed by the renewing of, of your mind. Um, so it's so important that we have a mindset that embraces the will of God. Isaiah 43, it says, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it. I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. See, it's the whole thing of perceiving what the Lord is doing in our midst in this time, in this season. In Scotland, it's important that we perceive and we understand what God is doing. It says in Proverbs 16.3, commit 
to the Lord, whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. So it's important, it's important that we build with God. But the key, number one key, is have a proper mindset. Guard your mind. There was a lady called Joyce Myers who wrote a, a great book called Battlefield of the Mind. And if anybody here struggles with negativity, negative thoughts, depression, read that book. It is awesome. It's like, it's like the Spirit of God has given you this massive eight-foot-tall William Wallace sword that will scare the, scare the inside-outs of the enemy from away from you. It'll, it'll bring fear to these things that are coming against your mind. So recognize the power of the Word. Come on, saints. We need equipped every day. I don't know about you, but every day is a battle. Every day is a battle. And it's important that we use the Word. We yield and wield and use the shield and it rhymes. So we use the Word because it has power and authority against things that come against us. So recognize the power and the influence of the Word of God. God's Word has power. God's Word can destroy things that are coming against you. But the biggest battle is that six inches, or if you've got a big heat, that seven inches between your two ears. That mind, that mind is a weapon of mass production. But some of you, listen up, saints, some of you, that thing is a weapon of mass destruction. So it's important as we have the Word of God, it becomes a weapon of mass production, where we speak the Word, where we speak things into being, where we speak God's Word into people, where we prophesy over people. If somebody comes to us depressed, we need to open the Word and say, listen, this is what David went through. You're a brand new creation. Renew your mind on a daily basis. This is the power of God's Word. Here's how, God's, here's how that God builds there's three things, there's three keys I'm going to give you today. Some of you might have heard this before, but these are three keys on how God builds. This is how God builds in the New Testament. Number one, he builds revelationally. Number two, he builds relationally. And number three, he builds generationally. So number one is revelational. Number, when, when Peter stood before Jesus and Jesus said, who do the people say I am? And they repeated back and they said, some say Elijah, some say John the Baptist. Uh, some say this person, some, and they went on and on about who it could have been. And he said, Peter, who do you say that I am? And he said, you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Jesus said to him, that was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven. In our words, revelation. So revelation is powerful. And that's how God builds. God builds through revelation. And it's important. Do we need to be taught the word of God? 100%. But we also need the rhema word of God, the now word. God, I want a now word, and I want it now. I want to know what you're doing now, today. Jesus said that, his model, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day. So on this day, I need your word for this situation that I'm about to face. You know, often we're praying and we're worrying and we're wasting time about, Lord, what is it you want me to do next year? And the Holy Spirit says, none of your business, big man. Just get on with your daily bread. Just do what I've called you to do today. You know, the, the most relaxed missionaries I've ever met are people that are just chilled. And they just say, Lord, just lead me, guide me. They bump into people and they speak to people. And they see things happening. And God does something in them. And they pray with people. And uh, that, 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 that's awesome. So it's important that we have revelation regularly. Get daily revelation. Just say, God, what are you saying to me today? 
If you've got a teachy head, it might be that you just read the scripture and a scripture jumps out at you, and that's the best way to do it. If, you've, if you're prophetic and a bit like me, I see pictures and I have dreams and like working them all out, kind of, I'm weird and wonderful. Uh, so it's important that we recognize God will speak to us in many, many different ways and recognize God in the conversation as well. Revelation, you know, often people think prophecy is when you have a meeting and somebody says, the Lord says to you, and he points somebody out or she points somebody out in a crowd and prophesies over them. Prophecy is in the conversation, saints. Prophecy is in your conversation. God will speak to you through other people as you have conversations with them. Recognize the word of the Lord in conversations. People might just give you keys to change your life and make things happen. Number two, so number one is revelationally. Number two is relationally. Dear Lord, I pray for a new pulpit that's got a bigger lip here. So when I put my notes off, they don't slide off. Amen. So, uh, so revelationally one, relationally is number two. Jesus and the 12 disciples, they built with the 12, they built relationally. Uh, and the way that God builds the day is, in, it's important that we build in our families, uh, we build with one another, uh, we build in the church relationally. It's important that we, we make ourselves relatable. Is anybody here unrelatable? It's like when people talk to you, you go like that, you're kind of awkward. Stop being awkward, be relatable. Come on. It's important that we relate with one another, but we also have an open heart. And when people come and talk to us, our heart's open to be able to talk to one another as well. So have an open heart, have an open mind, and be ready to be able to relate. Come on, saints, I'm preaching to somebody here this morning. Relate to people as well. So it's revelationally, relationally, but also generationally. That God in the Old Testament, it was God, God manifested his promises through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It went down the line. In the New Testament, it works slightly differently because the Holy Spirit spoke through Peter. He stood up at Pentecost. All these people got saved. Something amazing happened. But the church began to grow and manifest through a new family, a kingdom family, where it says in Acts chapter 2020, what year are you in? 2020, 2020 vision. If you want to live a 1010 life, here's a wee micro sermon. 1010 life, John 1010, life to the full. Have a 2020 vision, 2020, Acts 2020. They met in the temple and they met in small groups. They met house to house. So it's important that we recognize the power of the small group or the meeting one with another as well. So they built generationally. And also, it says, it says in Acts, listen to this. This is, this is the manifestation in the church at Antioch. This is a key. And this is the calling on this church is to be an Antioch type church where we send out, we lay hands on. And this is a manifestation of apostolic ministry. Listen to this. Acts chapter 13. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger. Lucius. So that was about Sean Connery. Forgive me. Lucius of Cyrene. Manin, a lifelong friend of Herod, the Tetrach, and Saul. When, while they were worshiping the, the, worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to do, for the work for which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Now, they're Paul and Barnabas, ladies and gentlemen, the rest is history. We're part of the fruits of the apostolic church where the word of God came forth. People had hands laid on them. People were sent out. The word was brought forth. Churches were established and went all over the planet. 
And uh, through the, obviously, the Reformation, we're part of the, the Apostolic Reformed Church, as in through John Knox and all these guys. They, they brought correction to some of the theology 500 years ago. And today we stand as part of that movement, part of what God has done through people throughout the centuries and the millennia. And, and, and we're here today by the grace of God, but because of that impartation. And some of you will be sent out to plant churches. Some of you will go out throughout the nations of the earth and see amazing things happen. On Friday morning, I'm going to interview a couple of, just in a minute or two, I'm going to interview two guys uh, who, who are aliens in this world. They just landed here from America, and uh, they just said, oh, we want to do a missional thing here in September. But we'd met some of the prayer team last year, uh, so we hooked up and met some of the ministers. But just before we do that, I want to tell you a story about the, pa- the pit to the palace and a testimony of someone I had breakfast with on Friday morning. So 20 years ago, we used, do you remember we used to do these things in counter weekends? We used to go to a place in Cumbernauld, and uh, there was a guy there, so we did these encounter weekends. They're really cool. And this guy used to serve lunch and breakfast. And his name was Ryan, and he was from Glasgow. And he said, all right, big man. So he had quite a, a very strong Glaswegian accent. So uh, great guy. And uh, his story is actually on the BBC website. I didn't know this till we're chatting on Friday. But uh, between the ages of 12 and 20, he started taking drugs. Then between the age of 16 and 20, he was taking ecstasy, like loads of them per day. It was just like, oh my gosh. And uh, just in a mess, and he was dealing it. So he was a bit of a weird old dealer as well as being on a high. So anyway, he got saved when he was 20, 20 years ago. He became a Christian. And uh, a number of years ago, there was a guy, a friend of mine, a guy called Jim Gibson from uh, Cumbernauld. And Jim had this conference center and in the conference center, they needed, uh, so Ryan had just got saved. He'd just come off the drugs. He was kind of buzzing. He's a guy that kind of buzzes with life. And uh, Jim said, we need, uh, can you make a sandwich? He said, I can make a wee sandwich. And he said, do you fancy running the catering in the church, in the conference center? He went, aye, I'll give it a go. So he, dec- he decided to give it a go. And within a week, he was on the phone to his mother-in-law saying, how do you make steak pies? <laughs> So you had to get the recipes off of her. How do, how, how do I make a steak pie? So he was kind of winging it. And there was no YouTube videos at that time. You know, people, you can watch a wee video, YouTube video and make a steak pie. So he was on the phone. He was getting the recipe. He was learning to make it. And, and things worked out for him. And uh, today, listen to this. Today, he employs over 60 people. Today, his business turns over millions of pounds every year. And uh, today... He, to start his business, he borrowed money from Prince Charles. Well, not from him personally. It's through a thing called the Prince's Trust. He borrowed five grand. So he's like the blue boy, the blue, not the blue boy, the blue-eyed boy, rather, uh, of the Prince's Trust. And he's met Prince Charles six times. And he's t- to tell me all these people, rich business people, he's been to dinner with and how he's mixing with a lot of Christian people. And he says, there's a lot of wealthy Christian business people in this nation. And God's raised, they didn't care what to do with their wealth. And I said, I can tell them what to do with it. So, uh, so uh, isn't that interesting? So God's raising people up. I, I want to preach to people who are in the pit here this morning. Again, listen to this. That guy was in the pit 25 years ago. He was in the pit 20 years ago. He gave his life to Jesus and something changed. God opened up an opportunity for him. 
And I want to declare to you here today, God is, God is in the business of open up opportunities to people. He's built his business little by little, little by little, and he employs people, some Christians, some not, and he's praying with all his staff, and God's created a miracle in his life. And when you meet this guy, he's helping doing the Wilderness 2020 event across at Lochte in May for men, uh, which is, is, is really cool. But he's just, he's a humble, him and his wife, very humble people, but they love God, they love Jesus, and they're so grateful that they began to praise in the pit. And now they're giving praise to God in the palace. Isn't that good news? Come on, let's give them a mighty shout of praise, Jesus. So Steve and Andrew, why don't you guys come up and just, just share a little bit about how you, how you guys are like aliens and strangers in this world in Scotland. So uh, uh, Felicity, who works in our office, phoned me and said, oh, there's, there's two guys here from America. And it turns out last year we'd met some people who we knew from Northern Ireland. And we held a prayer meeting with this lady uh, from America who was great and a couple of folk. And we just prayed about this mission they want to do in September. So just tell us a little bit, then we're going to pray for you. Is that okay? About uh, a month ago in uh, January, uh, we've been doing uh, Scotland for Jesus uh, in our uh, organization. I've been preparing for it, having prayer walks and that sort of thing. And in our uh, meeting, it came to our attention that we had left Dundee out. All the other major cities have been covered, Glasgow, Aberdeen, Inverness, all those uh, other cities. And so when we left our meeting, I was on my way back to the hotel and get ready for church that night. And I felt the Lord speak to my heart to come and take Dundee. And so what we're here, here to do and what we're going to plan on doing in, in September is we're bringing teams uh, where we are going to help share the gospel. We're going to, have, uh, going to try to have some big meetings together with all the churches that will get involved and motivate the body of Christ to take Scotland back. Wow. It's time, we believe that we've been to the Philippines, we've been to Ireland, uh, the Bahamas, uh, Swaziland, different places like that. And we feel like that this is Scotland's time. And so we're expecting God to do some great things. Uh, we, we have all kinds of variety of people that are in our teams. We have some that are traveling evangelists some that are, are pastors, uh, some that are just lay people who would like to come with us. And so we're looking at teams all through the, Scotland, but my team is Dundee. And I'm believing God to do a great work in this next year. We're going to see the fires of revival spread throughout uh, Scotland once again. I guess the, the awesome thing is we've been here for six days and we've got the culture figured out. And uh, so we'll come back and tell y'all exactly how to. No, I'm just kidding. The reason we're here and doing these things is to build relationships because the only thing we know is the gospel. But you know how to reach the hearts of the people here. You walk every day next to them on the streets. And I would be a fool to say that I could fly 10 hours to over here and come and tell y'all how to do it. But I do know the gospel, and I know a God that will provide people that will help out and get involved to turn this city around, to turn this nation around. We, 
we're not too, too uh, different when it comes to problems with sin and everything else from America to, to Scotland. We all have our struggles. And God has put it on our hearts to come here and help y'all out so y'all can come to America and help us out. <laughs> so we just uh, ask for y'all to be in prayer to think about joining in with us and coming into Dundee and helping us establish a culture of Christ in this nation again.